We are here to share our stories, experience, and give a platform for others to talk about the no-nos. We are not medical or healthcare professionals. Anything heard here is just based from our human experience, and should you have any medical or mental health challenges, we encourage you to seek professional support. Our content isn't suitable for children, and please be aware it may be triggering. This is Chelsea. This is Catherine. And And we're we're talking talking about the no-nos. The quote bomb for today's episode is, there is no greater disability in society than the inability to see a person as more. And that's from Robert M. Hensel. Today's episode, we're going to be speaking with Catherine's husband, Anthony, um, on his story of being hard of hearing. So thank you, Anthony, for being here. Thanks for being here. I'm excited to start this conversation. Before we get into it, I wanted to clarify that deaf and hard of hearing is the preferred term to use by those who are deaf and hard of hearing. And there are 48 million people in the U.S. that have a hearing loss. Hi, Anthony. Hello, thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for being here. Are you ready to do this? <laughs> yes. Were you born ready? I was born ready. <laughs> All right. So Anthony Anthony was born hard of hearing with a 98% hearing loss and was born into a hearing family where the primary language was Spanish and English in the home. So Anthony, I know that you come from a really loving and supportive home, but tell us what it was like to be the only one in your family with a hearing loss. Um, so yeah, so everyone was very supportive, very loving. Um, you know, just growing up, learning ASL, speaking Spanish, learning to speak English, um, read lip to be able to listen, close captioning. Um, I was the only one, like no one else uh, signed. Um, and it was, it was very challenging at the same time uh, because I had to, you know, uh, just learn everything all at once. And, uh, you know, later on, like when I was about seven years old, my sister um, had learned how to sign. Even if it was a short time in my life, it was very helpful, very um, cool thing that someone could understand and and relate. Yeah, Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. When I was doing research for this episode, I came across this term that I never heard before, and it's called listening fatigue, where basically when someone's hard of hearing and they're like trying to hear or trying to lip lip read or anything like that, their brain is basically working like two times as hard Mm -hmm. to try and do that. And it's especially hard in children. And I just felt like that was such a good insight to have. And even as your wife, like when you come home from work where you're literally lip reading in a crazy environment all day, and you are you always talk about how exhausted you are. And mm-hmm. I used to just be like, oh, come on. You can't be exhausted every day. And then when I read this, I was like, oh, man, I owe Anthony an apology. But what's kind of like give a little bit of insight on like how people better understand that listening fatigue. Like what that feels like when you're in an environment where you're trying to keep up and read people's lips. Like how does that like physically make you feel? Does that term listening fatigue really like strike you as accurate so it it, it makes me feel um stressed uh focused uh just just a lot of information on a on a daily basis and 
you know, uh, it, it gets tiring because I have to lip read. I, I sign at, in, in my work. Um, I speak Spanish. Um, and, so, and sometimes I'm, I'm doing it all together. And it's, it's, uh, it's very tiring. Um, but. So, yeah, basically it is accurate to say like you're fatigued yeah. at the end of the yeah. day. I know when we talked about this before, I had kind of asked you, like, did you feel, especially as a kid, like your brain was on fire, like <laughs> yes. just lighting on fire? Because that's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. That sounds exhausting just to think about that. Yeah, it, it feels like it, it's on fire even at the end of the day. It feels like it just, the the fire dying. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, and I know, I, as your, I know as your wife, like the when you come home, the first thing you do is like take your hearing aids out. Like you're like, I just need to rest my brain. And yeah. and when I read about that listening fatigue, it, everything started clicking for me like, oh, OK, that totally makes sense mm. for yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, I just thought that was awesome and something like that most people wouldn't know about. So I wanted to bring that up. Mm -hmm. So what would you say? to what advice would you give to hearing a, a hearing family that has a hard of hearing or a deaf child in their family? What advice would you give them? Um, I would let them know to love them, to support them, to, to help them out in any, any way, every way, uh, learning to sign, um, getting involved in their life. Uh, you know, don't try to shame them to, to make, make them become hearing. Um, just accept them for who they are because, you know, at the end of the day, um, that, that's who they are and just be supportive of that. Yeah. Right. And there's nothing wrong with being hard of hearing. Yeah. No. Or deaf, exactly. Yeah. So you went to a deaf program in school all throughout your years of school that was on the same campus as hearing kids that had a literal line down the middle of the two programs to keep to keep each other segre segregated. Tell us what that, which is insane, by the way. Because yeah. what year? <laughs> when when you told us about that, I'm like, what? I thought like, no, surely that didn't happen because yeah. it's not like you know you were born in the 1950s no, where was... you would think that that's something more mm. common than. Wasn't this the early 90s? Yeah, early, early 90s, like so the the end of the 80s and into the early 90s. Yeah. And this is like California, right? This isn't like some right. Right. small town somewhere. But first of all, so which is that's just still blows my mind that that because you weren't allowed to interact. No, is what you had said, right? Right. Yeah. T so, that's yeah, crazy. So kind of give us insight on what that was like and how that like formed your opinion about being mm -hmm. hard of hearing, like literally being segregated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so what it was like, uh, you know, I had, you know, deaf student and hard of hearing student that I was friends with, that we played together, we, uh, you know, ate together. We did everything together and we were separate from the, the hearing uh, side of the school and was not allowed to like mingle whatsoever. Um, you couldn't, you know, simply just say hi or play with them. Um, you just couldn't do nothing at all. I know before and, that you've told us that you guys couldn't even use the bathroom at the same time. Yeah, right. What? Right. Yes. Uh, so the, the deaf and the hard of hearing uh, had first privilege to go to the bathroom. And, and they didn't allow, until we were done, they didn't allow anyone 
the in the same 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 time together. Yeah. So at all hearing kids. In, yeah. The two programs couldn't go to the bathroom at the same yeah. time, which is insane. So what did that? So so you're just a kid when this happens, and you're just a normal kid, just like anyone else, right? What did that? Like, tell me, like, what you were feeling at that time, like growing up in that kind of an environment where it was very clear that there's a difference between the hearing kids and the yeah. hard of hearing kids yeah. and the deaf kids. Yeah, I felt uh, for sure uh, different. I felt like there was something wrong with me. I, I, I felt like uh, almost like insulted of being hard of hearing, no ASL and, and signing. And, you know, uh, and I know that by uh, how people would treat me by how I said certain things or, um, and it was, it was very embarrassing. I felt very embarrassed of who I was as a mm. person. So sad. So crazy and sad. Yeah. When you, when you had talked to us about that, I just, it blew my mind. Cause I'm like, I just can't even imagine what that must feel as a kid to be, you know, to be like, Oh, you can't be with these other people as if like somehow, you know, being hard of hearing was going to, like, rub off on them or something, right? Like, it just doesn't make <laughs> right. any sense to me. Right. And also, I feel like just sets it up to pit them against each other. Yeah. When really, they're the same. Like, every yeah, right. every single person people. has, yeah, they're just people. And everyone has lim- different limitations and different things. And so, uh, did you feel like when you interacted with, like, the hearing kids were... Were they kind to you or did they, how did they treat you? So, um, honest, honestly, they were, they were mean. Um, they didn't give me respect. Uh, they insulted like just the way that I talked or sang mm. or, or how I understood something. Um, so it was, it was a struggle, but it was very, uh, it, it made me not wanting to be involved with, with the hearing world. Mm. I just wanted to stay with my deaf and hard of hearing, um, yeah, that's understandable. Like, yeah. group of students, yeah, and friends. Yeah. So, so speaking of that, what did you love about growing up in deaf culture? Well, I loved the uh, the most that I was so involved um, and and so accepted in the community. You know, with my deaf and, and hard of hearing friends, I remember just laughing, playing, uh, doing everything together, and. Uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, like the body language, the the expression. Um, so I, I learned a, a lot of almost like uh, I developed my own uh, sense of like family, yeah. if you will. Mm-hmm. And did it feel like how we kind of talked about that, like hearing fatigue? Did it feel like, oh, my brain can rest because yeah. I'm just using ASL yeah. and like it probably felt like, oh, I don't have to work so hard. Yeah, and right. the, the the time that I uh, signed the most, I, I never felt tired um, because I was so dependent on signing, yeah. One thing mm. that you've said to me before about what you loved about deaf culture was how funny they are. Yeah. And you were saying, I loved that. You're like, yeah. they're so funny and because it's such, so much with body language and facial right. expressions. And right. I remember you saying that you just appreciate that so much about deaf culture, just how funny they are and how they use body language and facial expressions to be funny. And I, I love that. Yeah, I, I, I totally it, love it, that. It's like watching uh, acting. 
like, yeah. like live. Like <laughs> physical comedy, right? right? Which is like a whole thing. Right. I love people. Right. Yeah. I love physical comedy. Yeah. So I totally got that. And I, I love that that was something that you loved about it. So around 14 years old, you got pretty serious about skateboarding. And skateboarding has been a huge part of your life. But it was also at that same time is when you started to kind of walk away from deaf culture and your deaf friends and hard of hearing friends. Tell us kind of your mindset back then and your reasons for kind of just stepping away from from that culture. Um, yeah, so at 14, getting serious with skateboarding, um, I felt like being hard of hearing or no ASL or being in community with the deaf and hard of hearing uh, friends and students at the school uh, was not a cool thing. Mm. Like, I had to almost, like, drop my act and uh, change how the hearing world was going to accept me. So I had to change things about me. Um, and it, was, it, was, it was very challenging, honestly. Yeah. And did you feel like changing was you had to pretend like you weren't hard of hearing? Yeah. Yeah, so it was almost like uh, I have to act like I don't have a hearing loss. I don't know sign. Um, I don't know everything that I grew up knowing and just became a different person uh, with time. Mm. Right. Like to be cool or to yeah. fit in. Yeah. yeah. So you recently have started to really embrace the deaf culture again. You're, and... Uh, and I really love that you have. Mm -hmm. I, I really love this. Tell us kind of what changed with that and what you're doing to embrace it and what you plan on doing to like get, emerge yourself back into it and embrace that. Yes. Um, yeah. So recently after years, uh, I, I, I started to accept, you know, that it's fine to sign. It's fine being hard of hearing. It's, it's fine uh, just being yourself and by doing that like I'm um, teaching my wife and my daughter uh, to sign and also in in the work environment you know uh, I, I help a lot of deaf uh, people that shop or need uh, help fixing the the things and I help out with by being able to communicate with those people mm -hmm. and uh, I would like to get more involved with the uh, deaf community um, by making friends again and uh just 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 feeling com comfortable with myself again honestly mm -hmm. yeah yeah what did you what have you missed the most about it the thing that i missed the the most is that i felt accepted mm. just like as i was in skateboarding and in the deaf community growing up just just feeling accepted yeah yeah when i first met anthony you know he said he preferred to just read my lips right and talk and i asked him if he like the number one question i would always get asked is oh are you gonna learn asl and i would always say he doesn't he doesn't use asl and prefers to read my lips um and so when he recently s expressed that he wanted to start doing that i'm happy to do that and i'm actually really excited to like raise our daughter knowing that and embrace that culture so um I, I just love that Anthony has always been straightforward with what he wants and what he doesn't want because mm -hmm. it's not like a one size fits all. But I, right. I, I'm i really um, looking forward to you, like just being a part of that culture and learning more and learning ASL and growing, you know, raising our daughter 
with, you know, that's a big part of her dad. Mm -hmm. And so I'm excited for that. And I'm glad that you turned the leaf. (laughs) (laughs) Do you feel like it took a lot to get back to that place where you knew that that was something that was missing in your life, being a part of that culture and being accepted in that way? Yes. um, I think the first step that was hardest was just accepting Mm. uh, who I was. And it it took time, but I'm ready and I'm here now. Yeah. Yeah. And do you think that had a lot lot to do with like that whole like being segregated against the hearing kids, like put shame on? Yeah. 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 If, if, if just uh, just again, you know, like I said earlier, it just made me feel different. Mm-hmm. Um, like I wasn't worth anything. Like right. I was just kept in secret. Like right. I don't want the, I don't want to be seen with that person. Like so, we'll keep them to you know. Or, or it's just yeah. <laughs> it's a crazy feeling. Yeah. So as an adult, I kind of wanted to talk about some challenges as you, you know, became an adult, kind of getting out of the school talk. Um, I want to throw out a statistic really quick and talk about it. So the according to the American Community Survey data, fewer than 40 percent of deaf and hard of hearing work full time. And this has definitely been a struggle for you. And I want you to just kind of tell us about your work experiences and just the challenges that you've had? Um, in my years of working, the challenge I've had, uh, I couldn't get a, a full-time job. I couldn't get promoted. If I got promoted, it took longer than normal. Um, they didn't see, uh, you know, eye to eye. It was always uh, something, um, the jobs, you know, like the you felt discriminated. Yeah, against. I felt discriminated against, um, and and I never understood it. <laughs> yeah, and despite a lot of most of your jobs being like a top seller, a top like being a top performer, and still not being able to get that full time or get that promotion, do you think it's because they just don't know what to do with some of your limitations? And so it's just easier for them to not deal with it. Yeah, yes, I've uh, I've always felt like um, you know uh, a lot has to do with uh, favoritism mm-hmm. in the in the workplace, and when they find someone like myself, and that whatever job that I'm in, uh, they they try to think they can fix me, but they can't, mm-hmm. and so they don't know what to do with me. Uh, sometimes and I find that to be a lot of a lot of different situations I know that a lot of times you are told basically they want to try and find a way to make you hearing basically instead of just accepting that you are who you are and right that the answer a lot of times is that hey we need you to be hearing actually this is inconvenient for us or we don't know what to do and we don't want to figure it out and so we'll just stick with the hearing. Yeah. Which with that statistic seems to be. That's really high. It's a really high statistic. 40%. I mean, that's almost half, right? Yeah. So that's that's just huge. I'm just wondering with a little bit of clarity as to what do you feel are some of those things that they're trying to change besides just the hearing, but in the aspect of like a workplace, how being a top performer and such a hard worker 
that there's something like more somehow that they're still wanting, which maybe you can't exactly like that's kind of guessing. But um, if if there's anything that people have mentioned, like what it is that they're just not able to understand, I guess. I think just I know I'm answering your question, Anthony. <laughs> well, just what I have known as your wife, I think that that you just have limitations and they can't accept that. Mm. That there's right. right that right. there's some limitations that they can't accept and or they aren't willing to like work with you and figure out ways that would that you could do it to do something differently versus just how they've always right. done something right. type of thing okay right. i just was like in my mind i'm like i need a little bit of like more to that what that looks and like and talk a little bit about how you feel like they think that you're less intelligent yeah and so so uh you know, my bosses, my co coworkers, uh, sometimes will think that I'm less intelligent because I don't hear the right way, or I lip read, or you know, because they see me signing with someone, they think something's wrong with me, mm-hmm. and now I just can, can communicate in three different languages. Uh, so, uh, yeah, you're like, actually, I'm amazing. Yeah, yeah this I, is the actual problem, <laughs> and that's the. <laughs> I also want to speak about that, too. So Anthony is trilingual, and that does seem to be the part in his job that every job he's had loves, but they never pay him more for it or promote him. It's like I really have like my eyes have really been open to Mm. seeing that when someone just is different, how much people can accept that. Right. 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 What do you think? What do you, what would you like an employer to do to, like, if you went in for a new job and they asked you, Hey, you know, what are ways that we can accommodate you? Like, we want this, this is a great fit. We think you're a great job guy for the job. We know that there's some limitations. Like what would just that conversation be helpful? Cause I know that legally they kind of have to say that, mm-hmm. but then it doesn't necessarily always work out that way. What would what advice would you give to like anyone that's in the workforce that has, you know, any kind of power in that on how to handle deaf and hard of hearing in the workplace and get rid of this sad statistic? Well, I would just say, um, honestly, uh, just make them feel equal, like uh, let their voice be heard um, for whatever need they need. And, you know, uh, work together, not against, you know, each other or think that you ran a company, you know, like the same way for years and thinking that uh, it's going to be okay that way. Because at the end of the day, if no changes are are made and it's kind of hard to to make that change um, by the numbers you said. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Well, and that you just offer it lot more than honestly the average worker yeah <laughs> by just being able to communicate yeah. in languages that are very relevant in where we're from and um acknowledging that and paying you what you're worth for that yeah. and seeing the value yeah. in that mm-hmm. yeah so i want to talk a little bit about just some helpful things that um can help people that you know, just to help the hearing world with people that have a hearing loss or uh, I think mostly just a hearing loss on this one. Mm-hmm. This is um, I got this list from an IG account called my battle call. She's awesome. 
and gives tons of great information. And so I'm going to kind of go down a list on some of the things that are helpful. And Anthony, just jump in at any time if you agree with it or add to it, whatever. But I just love like, yes, yes, yes. (laughs) I just love this list. And so I wanted to to read it because I feel like it will give a lot of just awareness Mm -hmm. and help people. So first one. If you speak in a quiet voice, they cannot hear you. <laughs> Is that true, Anthony? <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> but um, at the same time, you don't need to yell. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, at the same time, you know, if you have a, a mustache or a beard, it's very hard to lip read. It's very hard to understand. Um, don't just come up and just start signing. Um, you know, uh, just, I, me, I would prefer if you came up and you asked me how I prefer to be communicated. Um, and me, you know, I, any given day, I prefer to just be talked to, like, directly. Um, yeah, I know, uh, Anthony, we've talked about this before. He prefers you to ask him how he wants to be communicated with, and he really only prefers to do ASL with those that are deaf and hard of hearing. Um, when someone knows a couple of signs and just comes up to him, he finds that uh, offensive. So I think that's kind of what you were trying to right. explain. That's right. And then he would tell <laughs> you... Do. And he has usually no problem telling people, I prefer to lip read. Right. (laughs) But you have no problem if it's someone that is in that community. Right. Okay. So what are some other ones here? Let me see. Oh, if, if they don't hear you the first time, don't get frustrated. Just repeat. No need to shout. Saying never mind makes them feel left out and it's isolating. And it's just, that's really rude. Right. If there's background noise, it's hard for them to hear. Oh, and uh, also I just wanted to include, uh, don't look at the ear or the hearing aid that they have on. It's, it's very rude. Mm-hmm. Um, like when they're talking to yeah, you. Yeah, like when they're talking to me. Like, directly. Yeah. <laughs> like look in the eyes like you would do with anyone else or <laughs> right. should be doing with right, anyone else. Right, yeah. right. People who are deaf and hard of hearing make very different choices. There is no one size fits all way. Would you agree with that? I agree. I agree. Avoid covering your mouth when you speak, which also includes mustaches and beards. Uh, which I never heard about the mustache and beard one until recently. Really? And yes. Which is, it makes a lot of sense. But Anthony's like, don't have a mustache or a beard. And I was it's like, true. Oh, that's really I funny. mean, like, don't, I think that in general most times, but not because it affects how. Don't, don't think about growing someone. one. <laughs> don't even think about growing one. <laughs> and then listening for deaf and hard of hearing kids is exhausting. It's harder than it looks. Understanding and acceptance is key. Mm. I love that list. Good job. Good job, my battle call. Is there anything else that isn't on that list that you have? Oh, I know one that you always talk about that annoys you. You would really prefer there just to be subtitles on yeah. everything. Besides I would prefer closed captioning for sure. The, yes, closed right. captioning. Mm-hmm. As opposed to like always thinking that there needs to be interpreters. Yeah. You would prefer closed cap- captioning on all sure. things yeah. which is genius it makes sense i, I think it's in certain venues that's a lot <coughs> harder to do and but, i think yeah. that that is something that i don't think a lot of people think about i think they often mm-hmm. think oh we need to get interpreters or we need to find somebody that can when really closed captioning would be easy correct it would it would help out a lot he talks yeah. about that one a lot especially like at church and 
all those kind of things. So with that being said, that kind of goes into what your helpful like kind of resources and tell us about this one. Speaksy is what it's called. I want you to talk about this, Anthony. Yes. So uh, Speaksy is a company um, that's out of uh, Europe and they have a cool uh, technology where real time they can uh, pick up on everything being said in one room, like an example, maybe like a shirt or like a meeting, um, you know, family uh uh, environment, birthday, and that information is uh, like like relayed uh, through the technology. Yeah, it's an and app. And everyone uh, can see this uh, through their uh, like iPad um, or cell phones, and it's through an application. Yeah, yeah it's so very it's, cool. So does it put the text? It, yeah. it put the uh, the tech. Okay. What, so uh, it's like live closed caption. Yeah, it's, it's like live closed caption, and what's cool? Live closed captioning. What's cool yeah. about it is. I don't know how many people can use it at once, but it's basically making it possible. It's one of the things that they talk about is that so that it will be easier for the workplace, like mm-hmm. for meetings and like, because as we know, like background noise or multiple people talking at once right. is hard to follow. There's like missed right. information, so, right? right? What I'm, right. what I understand from it is that everyone puts clips on like a little microphone uh-huh. and it connects to an app. And it's all different colors. And so you can follow along with the different conversations okay. in the different So kind of like almost like a text chain. Yeah. Type of thing. yeah okay. Right, but I would right. assume that you could project it onto like a screen. And if like a speaker was speaking at a meeting, like they they would get live closed captioning, which would be genius at a church or a right. meeting or anything like that. Yeah. And just great for just because one of the hardest things, Anthony, is for us is like a family dinner. With multiple people. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So it makes it so everyone can be included. Um, we love it. It's they're still it's like a um, startup company and they're still getting funding for right. it. So it's right. not available to purchase yet. But we Anthony, we've been talking about it for years and we're going to purchase one as soon as they're available. So right. we wanted to shout them out. And let people know <laughs> to, to contribute to their Kickstarter. And we, or also, they have. <laughs> we also wanted just businesses to know. And churches to know that it that's something to look forward to, that they don't have to necessarily get an interpreter all the time, that they could be mm. included. Yeah, in technology is definitely, I think, widening in a lot of spaces. And people have to be willing, though, to embrace that, which is usually part of the divide, right? It's like yeah. people embracing the change, getting into that and doing it. But it could be life-changing for so many people, especially the 40%, yeah. right? Yeah, that like just think of how amazing that could be, because I would imagine after doing so much in workplaces and feeling the ways that you have said that you felt that has to be so disheartening at some point. Like, do you just feel like kind of giving up? Like, what is the point of trying Mm -hmm. to get a job and trying to do all these things just to (laughs) feel like that all the time? Man, that must that's so hard. It is so hard to be like, oh, I just keep doing it, you know? Yeah, (sighs) exactly. It's super frustrating and so sad that it's looked at like you're other than he, like that you're beneath someone or anything. I hate it. Right. Oh, right. it's the worst. Well, Anthony, um, I am so glad that you were willing to come on here and speak with us and 
do this episode, like a special kind of episode with us trying something different too. And um, I really appreciate you talking about what it's been like for you being hard of hearing and how that has kind of played out in your life and, and where you're at now too, like part of your journey, like you're talking about going forward and embracing the deaf community again and bringing, you know, your daughter like as a part of that too. I just think and that's amazing. Wife. And your wife. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> of course. But I'm just excited. I'm excited for what that looks like for you and for your family. And um, so thank you. Thank you for being here and for um, st- showing up and deciding to keep doing those things. It's hard and you're doing it. So yeah, good job. I'm incredibly well, proud of you, Anthony. I know that this was not an easy thing to talk about and I'm super proud of you and I can't wait to see like that this helped people and have better understanding. Yeah. So thank you uh, for having me um, and uh, letting me like share my story. Um, You know, like you just said it was hard to do, but it's it's not impossible. Yeah. So and I'm, and I'm happy to share that. So it gives people awareness of what's going Mm -hmm. on. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. So you can connect with us on Instagram at talking about the no nos, and you can email us at talking about the no nos at gmail.com. And always, as always, find, find your safe, safe people, people to talk, talk about, about the no nos with. with.